Good day to you. We are reading in the book of Romans. We are reading, ready to read chapter 4. Now, the book of Romans is basically a letter, a long letter, and you might remember that Luke kind of poked fun at Paul in Acts for being long-winded. Well, this is one of those that's pretty long. But Paul is, yeah, Paul is, um, really laying out the foundations of the gospel and explaining everything so that the Jews and the Gentiles in Rome will understand. Um, so this is the book of Romans, and we're ready to read chapter 4. Now in, the, in chapter 3, at the end there, um, Paul had explained that we are uh, made righteous in God's sight, righteous, we're redeemed through Christ Jesus, and that we're made righteous, and that it is a gift that comes through faith in Jesus by believing. It is not something we get by works, by doing certain ritualistic things or performing certain acts, ritualistic acts. It says we are justified through faith. And that the law is not overthrown by this faith, but rather it is upheld by this faith. The law is written on our hearts and we um, and the law is what, as Jesus said, to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. To love God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. Alright, so, <clears throat> uh, this is Romans chapter 4. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now do you understand that? That is the same thing that we are doing. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. We believe in Jesus and it is counted to us as righteousness. We are made to look or to be and to have the same righteousness as Jesus. It's through Jesus, not through anything we've done, but through Jesus. So, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but trusts him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. So here, <clears throat> we're talking about Paul is saying to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but his due. So, if you believe you are working to get your righteousness, then, you know, um, your righteousness is not a gift. You're saying it's a reward that you have earned it, that you deserve it. Okay? But, that's not the way this works. To the one who does not work, which is really all of us, we do not work but we trust, we trust God. Let's just say it like this. We trust God who justifies the ungodly. His, 
his faith and our faith is counted as righteousness okay because we're trusting in God we believe him and he gives us our righteousness we don't earn our righteousness not at all there's nothing we can do to earn it anyway uh, we believe in Jesus and you know that's we believe in Jesus we believe in God and that's how we that's how we receive our righteousness we can't we can't earn it there's nothing we can do to earn it uh, so um, there just is no way we're uh, we're not Jesus for one we can't learn we can't uh, live a perfect life and um, and there's just nothing there's nothing we can do to earn that right standing with God we don't have um, we don't have what he has and we're not him um, he gives us all that we have through Jesus there through that he gives us everything he gives us in that way in that sense in the spiritual sense he gives us all he has and he makes us puts us in right standing with him but we can't earn that I'm just saying there's no way for us to earn that there's anyway um, <clears throat> so the one who does not work but trusts in God who justifies the ungodly his faith is counted as righteousness and this is just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. So, in here, now in verses 7 and 8, let me find the scripture here. This is from Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Of course, we're blessed... And this, this goes back in the old days too, but we're looking now. Paul's looking now. Blessed are those whose deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. We are blessed. He forgives us of our sins, and that is a huge blessing. Because that means we stand before him um, righteous as Jesus. Only because of Jesus, not because of anything we do. But, but we get to come to him as his child and stand before him and be in right standing with God. So we're going to continue on with verse 9. I don't want to beat this to death, but it's an important thing, and it's an important part, uh, point that Paul is making. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised, or also for the uncircumcised? We say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised, meaning that Abraham believed and was counted righteous before the circumcision. The circumcision was just done as an outward sign that he was following God and that he was one of God's people. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well and to make him the father of the circumcised who, were, who are not merely circumcised but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So the purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised 
so that righteousness could be counted to them as well. So the purpose was to show that you could be counted as righteous and not be circumcised. So not be, in other words, not be an Israelite, not be a Jew. You could be righteous without circumcision. So the purpose was that, and the purpose was also that he would be, let's see, and make him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, okay, not just outwardly circumcised, but also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. In other words, they have true faith and belief, and they're trying to follow God. All right, so, verses thir verse 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. Right. In other words, if you were to get it through adhering to the letter of the law, if you were to receive righteousness, if you were, let's see, his offering would be the heir of the world. Yeah, if, if you were to be an heir due to your adherent of the, adherence of the law, then faith would not matter. And the promise would be void because you would not need to necessarily believe in the promise, but you would believe in the, uh, the things you were doing, the ritualistic practices, and different things like that. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. And that's another thing about our covenant. We don't have, we don't have that law in the way that they had the law. The law brings wrath in that you know, if you do that, I'm going to whoop you. You know, <laughs> it's that type of thing. It brings wrath. You know, if you if you do that, I'm going to whoop you. Or if you don't do that, I'm going to whoop you. You know, it kind of brings that. But where there is no law, there is no transgression. So, um, that is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Now that's another one of Paul's really long sentences. So let's go back for a moment. <clears throat> so, this is why it depends on faith. Okay? So he's talking, for it is the adherents of the law who are to be, for if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, then faith is null and void, and the promise is void. For the, you know, that is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Now he's referring back to Abraham. And showing how 
you know, Abraham was considered righteous before he was circumcised. So technically, before he was a Jew, he was, you could say he was still a Gentile in a way. Um, well, I guess in a way he was, but he was the father of the of the Israelites, of the Jews, I know. But I'm just saying, in a way, you could say he was still basically a Gentile. All right? So that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, not only to the Jews, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham. Doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter who in the world it is, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations, not just the Israelite nation, but the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead. Now this is talking about the power of God who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Because that is what God does. And that's what he did. That's how he created everything. He calls things into existence that do not exist. So that is speaking the power of God. And that's also saying how he started with Abraham before he was circumcised and told him he would be the father of many nations. And that was meant for all, not just for the Jewish people. It was meant that the Gentiles would follow that, that faith in God. And if you look back, even under the law in the old days, they did have Gentiles who would um, basically uh, convert to being Jews and come to believe and, and follow follow God. And some would follow God without converting to being a Jew, but uh, without circumcision, but still. <clears throat> all right, pardon me. Hold on. Okay. Um, all right, so verse 18, in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. Now this is referring to Abraham. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. So, Abraham knew God was able to do what he said. He was able to fulfill his promise. He knew this, and he acted accordingly. He acted in faith. He trusted. He trusted God. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. When we read in Genesis about Abraham, you'll see how Abraham grows and how he, but how he trusts God and how he believes in God, and you'll see how he grows and you'll see how he makes mistakes. Um, all the Mistakes, um, even the old patriarchs. Um, okay, so, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. He knew God was able to do what he had promised. 
But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespass, trespasses and raised for our justification. So here Paul is making that connection for the Gentiles all the way back to Abraham. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord who was delivered up. So let's, let me back up a little farther. I didn't back up far enough. Sorry about that. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. So our belief and our faith that will count be counted to us as righteousness because we believe. Just like Abraham, just because he believed, it was counted to him as righteousness even before he was circumcised. Even before he was basically a Jew. Or an Israelite or however you want to think of that. So we are being saved and counted as righteous in the same way. This is the new covenant and, and the belief in Jesus is not really new in an in a odd kind of way. It's not really new. You go back before the Israelites, before the Jewish, Jewish nation, before the law, and what do you have? You have Abraham. You have Abraham having it counted, having his faith counted. Oh, I can't say it correctly. Having his faith, his faith was counted to him as righteousness. So, it was counted to him as righteousness. And that's where we're going back to that. We're, um, instead of having the law and the taskmaster and following the, you know, the little ritualistic things and ceremonies, our faith is being counted to us as righteousness. So, Paul is tying us all back to Abraham and explaining how this works and explaining how we're justified by faith and also for the Jewish people he's also explaining how this is not really anything new. It's the same. It's the same as it was for Abraham, their father, our father, our father Abraham. Well, I guess we can all say our father Abraham. So, um, Though, uh, though our Father is really God in heaven, but, but you know what I mean. He is a spiritual um, ancestor to all of us, uh, whether you be a Jew or Gentile. And that's what Paul is tying together here. And he's reasoned that out and explained it plainly. I don't know if I've ever um, understood that quite as well. I did. I know I've read it and understood it to a, to a degree. But I think here again, going through this again, I'm understanding it better. And then usually that's true. Every time I read through things in the Bible, especially when I read them in context and try to really understand everything, I, I get it. I get a little better understanding every time. So, all right. So that is Romans chapter 4. I want to thank you for listening. Hope that is helpful to you. Um, be safe out there. I know we're still going through trying times. Remember, others are also going through trying times. Um, let's let's try to live, you know, as a Christian through this and uh, treat others accordingly. 
And remember, God loves you.